And welcome back to another episode of On Coaching with Magnus and Marcus. I am Steve Magnus, the Deputy Director of High Performance West, joined, as always, by my good friend, colleague, John Marcus, the Director of High Performance West. John, it's another lovely day to go for a run. It is. And you know what time it is? It's time to give the people what they want. It is. And this time, we're getting into the details, man. Like, this is probably our most, like, narrow topic we've had ever. Yeah, yeah. It's This is down and dirty, like, specificity at its highest. <laughs> that is right. We can't all be out <coughs> up in the... <coughs> oh, losing the Sorry. Line. It's okay. I'm dying over here. It's we, all right. <laughs> we can't all be up in the clouds... And phil- uh, philosophical world all the time. That's right. We're coming ground level down from 35,000 foot view to actually get into the minutia, the specific ins and outs of recovery, micro and macro recoveries in workouts, different types of workouts, 800 meter workouts, sprint workouts, threshold workouts, VO2 max, or what I call specific stamina workouts. You name it, we're going to talk shop. That's right. So recovery, not recovery as in ice baths and all that junk. Recovery (laughs) as in how much rest do you have in between your intervals? Are you jogging? Are you standing? Are you, you know, doing math games in your head? Whatever it is. What are you doing during that period? And how long is it? I would actually start off with a quick uh, aside or preface because we're known for our tangents. And recently I went up to Seattle, finally after about two years, to go um, see and shadow our good friend and colleague Danny Mackey, head coach of the Brooks Beast. Uh, Their charge had their first big workout of 2018 um, at the UW Dempsey track indoors. And I wrote about it on highperformancewest.com. So if you want, go back, check it out. I actually post Katie Mackey's workout, which is an amazing session, um, considering she hadn't done much work and just been running mileage um, and a couple of fartleks and tempos. So it was exciting to see firsthand what that looked like. But I was very impressed. I commended Danny and I commended the Beast. They were very regiment and spot on with timed recoveries. So sometimes it was a jog, sometimes it was a walk jog, sometimes it was just static standing in place. But, you know, they, uh, like Katie, for example, had a 600, 500, 400, 300, 200 breakdown, three sets of that, with two minutes recovery in between each rep within a set, and then five minutes recovery between each set. And man, she was like a clock. When it was two minutes, she was, let's go. You know, as I've aged and as longer I've coached, I've become a little less uh, strict with my recovery windows. I, you know, I, I have a, I should say it's a window. So instead of a pinpoint target time, it's kind of a general within a, a 30 second or, you know, sometimes one minute range here and there. But I just couldn't believe it. The beasts were just like metronomes, man. So, you know, there's an example of someone doing it at a high level, an athlete's conditioned and um, adapting and responding and thriving to a very strict recovery protocol. And so I think that's that's really important because expectations matter, right? Mm-hmm. So whether you're a coach who's 
wants it very regimented because you think, hey, this workout, uh, the recovery is very important. We need to be spot on or whether you have flexibility within that window. And even, you know, the, the norms of it, you know, we were at practice on Monday doing some 800 meter intervals and I didn't, uh, didn't write or tell my athletes what the rest was. And one of my fifth year seniors, Gabe Lara, stands up and says, or <laughs> when one of the freshmen asks and they ask, you know, what's her recovery? Gabe goes, Hey, I bet I can guess it. And they said, you know, two minutes. And Gabe's like, if you've done Steve's sessions long enough and you know the purpose of it, you can probably guess what the recovery is going to be about. <laughs> well, let's go through that. Let's, you know, uh, we gave some very specific examples of recovery intervals. How do you, Steve, going through the taxonomy of different types of session, determine what's the most appropriate recovery time from rep to rep and also from set to set of uh, work bouts within a session? Yeah. So to me, I think the number one thing I'm 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 using at first is is the rep like is the repeat itself and the speed of it more important or is the recovery more important? Because I think mm. that that's that's where you start where it dictates things, right? Mm-hmm. Do I care the most about hitting 60 seconds in this 400 no matter what? Or do I care enough to keep the recovery interval at a minute or 50 seconds or whatever it is I I think is best um, where I need that recovery interval to be, you know, pretty dang spot on because I'm trying to get some sort of physiological adaptation or some sort of stress in that way. So I think step one for me is always, you know, with this workout sitting in front of me, what's most important? Because one gives me leeway, right? And Mm -hmm. one is like, okay, you should probably adhere to this. So that that's where I I start, John. Where do you start? I think of work to rest ratios. So my kind of rule of thumb is you have one to one work to rest ratio, one to two, one to three, one to four. And when you start to go beyond one to four, you just call it full because by you get to that point after about, you know, when you start to multiply out the rest ratio um, beyond a factor of four, you might as well just wait until the athlete's ready to go again. So typically my classification is one-to-one is going to be for about um, 5K type work, um, give or take, you know, a, a gradient of, of pace, which is to say, give or take might be 6K if you're doing cross country or even 4K, 3K. What that means is, let's say you're doing classic 5K workout eight times a K at goal or cut down to goal 5k pace you know if you're a normal collegiate male that might be somewhere in the 15 minute ballpark so that's three minutes so it's three minutes of work three minutes of rest as you start to get faster now from that as your anchor um, then you start to increase the rest uh, portion of the session so if i'm doing strict 3k work Then I'm going to choose shorter intervals um, and durations to run at. So let's say 800 meters, which is pretty tough for 3K work, or 600 or 400 meters. So now if let's just, again, ballpark another athlete, I'm running, you know, if I'm a higher-end collegiate male and I'm trying to break eight minutes for the 3K, all right, we got about 90 
you know, six seconds for 600 or 64 seconds for 400. So now it's going to be a double uh, work uh, work to rest ratio. So if I run 64, it's about two minutes rest um, on a quarter. And then now you start to get to mile specific stuff or a meter specific stuff. And this is where it gets fun and, you know, the minutia matters because depending on the physiological um, stimulus you want to expose the athlete to, you can either adopt a two and a half or three um, rest to work ratio or you can um, increase it for fuller recovery so you get the neurological adaptation that uh, happens by running at those very difficult race speeds. So that's kind of like my anchor. And then we start to go up the food chain or up in distance, let's say uh, 8K, 10K, 15K half marathon. Then you start to go halvesies, as I call it. So if it's, uh, let's say, six by a mile at 10K pace. Um, you know, for let's say your uh, competitive collegiate female, that's going to be about six minute pace for the mile to 550. Well, then, you know, we start to fraction it off and it might be two minutes rest. So that's a quarter of the time spent running the mile uh, is going to be two minutes or a little bit over. Part of my math, it's, it's late in the day here and I haven't had my second cup of coffee. And then, um, if they're really good, it might be a sixth, so 60 seconds. So I'm going to ask this young collegiate female, run six by a mile with 60 seconds rest. And that's like if you're really fit because, again, what we're trying to do is more hit a aerobic threshold, an aerobic stimulus, so then we take a lot shorter recovery. So that's kind of where I, I put the anchor at, 5K pace, one-to-one work-to-rest ratio, and then as you go faster, longer rest to the duration of time that that interval at those race speeds take and as you go longer in distance or slower pace then you start to go have these or fractions of it and you can you know play around with it as you want you can go three quarters a half a quarter a fifth a sixth you know you you can get all buck wild if you want but typically that's kind of how i think about work to rest ratios within um sets of work now when it comes to differentiating or differentiating sets from sets outside of sets so let's say for example we want to do you know four times 400 at 3k pace with um two minutes rest in between but i want to do three sets of that to get three miles worth of work now you start to say okay i want to get to the higher end of that full not completely full, but what I call 80%, 85% rejuvenation pace, where the second set, you're a little bit more gas, and the third set, you, the athlete really has to get after it, but they're not starting the um, the set with the gas tank you know, below half. So what that typically is is a four-meter jog for me, right? So if the, the hypothetical session here is three sets of four times 400 with um, you know, two minutes rest, with that's about 200 walk jog as you desire then the sets in between the rest asked is going to be about four minutes give or take so it can be a jog a quarter and then we talk for like a minute about okay getting the right mindset or their experience or how they're doing and again i'm not too picky if it's four minutes up to five minutes 
And even if they really want to milk it, you know, 5.30. But then at a certain point, I got like a, a drop dead time. We're like, all right, you're milking it. We got to go. Come on. We just can't be farting around anymore. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, this is going to be a good discussion here because <clears throat> I use a different anchor for when I come up with my recovery. So I, my, uh, my mind does not work in a work-to-rest ratio type style. Um, I end up at similar outcomes in different ways, if that makes sense. So Yes. Un- un- expound, please. Expound thy wisdom. All right. So what I tend to do is, again, I start off with, is the, re- is the speed or the rest the most important? Then I look at, okay, like, what is my purpose of this workout? Am I trying to make it, you know, slightly more aerobically demanding? Am I trying to make it more anaerobically demanding, right? Because mm-hmm. people get this a little backwards, right? If you have really short rest, then you don't let all of those anaerobic processes recover, and it right. just kind of becomes more aerobic, more aerobic. It's why with the, you know, with the eight hundred meter stuff where you're cranking, you take, you know, three, four, five minutes rest sometimes, right? Generous recovery. Generous yes. recovery. You got to yes. let those systems crank back up a little bit so that you can. Go nail it again. So that's that's kind of where I start is, you know, what's the purpose? Aerobic, anaerobic. And then I look at, <laughs> okay, what am I trying to do? If I've decided that K repeats at three minutes for a college guy trying to run 15 minutes is the goal, then I look at and I almost project a mark. All right, like I want this to be, you know, pretty aerobic. Um, but what do I think he can do for six of these at three minutes? right? Does this athlete mm-hmm. need three minutes recovery? Could he get away with 2.30? Could he get away with two minutes? Um, I'm doing a little projection, right? And that's based on the athlete I know. And it and it's also based on like, how hard do I want this session to be? Right? Because mm-hmm. if I go one-to-one and he goes three minutes, maybe I think he's, he's definitely going to make that through. If I say, hey, I want these a little bit more challenging in this direction and I give them 230. Maybe there's like a, you know, a 90% chance he gets through. If I go right. down to two minutes, maybe there's a 50% chance that he blows up. Right. <laughs> and yes. it's like, it's like how much risk do I want to take and how, how far do I push them? So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how I look at it on these things is, um, you know, what, what am I trying to accomplish? Can this athlete get, to, get through this workout? with this much recovery and how much do I want to press it? Because I think, I think we look, we should look at recovery very similar to how we look at almost setting our speed. Right. Right. So how do you set your speed? You sit there and you think, okay, what's the goal of the workout? Like, is it 5k? Is it, you know, specific stamina? Is it like aerobic threshold? That determined your speed. And then you sit there and you say like, well, you know, like I think this athlete can handle doing mile repeats at 440 instead of 445. And you kind of sit there and you're like, oh, this might press him a little bit, but like that's good for him to adapt. And I <laughs> see the recovery is very similar as if I want to press in that direction, right? Where if I want to say like, hey, I want this athlete to feel a little more or a little less stress. Then I'm going to lengthen or shorten the recovery to make that stress, you know, applicable. Yeah. Recovery within a workout is just as much a stimulus as the actual speed you are 
running the distance that you, uh, of the rep. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same because it's how you ebb and flow. It's how you create this polarization, this harmony or this lack of, which is going to globally enhance or globally deter the stimulus that you're you know, trying to, the response you're trying to get from that stimulus to then incur that adaptation that you want down the road to make a faster, stronger, more competitive distance runner or middle distance runner. So you have to think about recovery very critically because you can also too, uh, you know, if it's the wrong type of recovery, you can totally just um, negate the session you had planned on the piece of paper, right? So let's say we're doing, you, you know, one of my favorite workouts for milers. That's a, a tough anaerobic threshold and, you know, uh, speed power session, you know, just sprint 250s, right? And if you go into the um, terminology of run, 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 you see that the word sprint means maximum effort at maximum speed. There is no reason to start and stop a watch. I always tell athletes when I say sprint, you're going all out, all out for the distance and how. You run out of real estate, you run out of gas, and you start to accelerate, so what? You know, I typically put a cap at 250 for sprint work for middle distance distant athletes. You can get away with it with like the really good 800 meter runner, but it's kind of like that's my cap. So that is full. That is four, five, six, seven, eight minutes, nine minutes. <laughs> what, <laughs> like, what, whatever you feel right, right? Until right, we, get, we get tired of waiting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, until the battery's fully recharged, yeah. right? Because we yeah. need to let the ATP, we need to let all these physiological systems resynthesize, reboot, and we know that they can in highly trained athletes. But it does you no good to say, "All right, we're going to sprint 250s, and we're going to take three minutes rest, no matter what." That then just turned the session, you know, completely on its head, and now it's something exaggeratedly different, and now you're not getting the um, intended response and adaptation from that session that you desired. Right. And I think that's the way you look at it is that recovery is as much of a manipulator of that stress and adaptation as, as speed or in or rep length or any of those other things. It just depends Mm -hmm. on how we manipulate it. And I think that's where like the artistry comes through, right? It's this push Mm -hmm. and pull of like, you allowing a, this energy systems, this you know, muscular systems to come back just a little bit and then hitting it a harder and then maybe coming back and letting them recovery, uh, you know, recover fully again. And that's where I think we can really get creative as coaches, especially as we, you know, vary rep length or set or break things into sets, right? Um, to, to use that artistry, right? One of my th- favorite things to do is to break things into sets where we might have really short recovery in between, right? So one of my favorite intro 5K workouts is three sets of 5 by 400 with 40 seconds rest in between the 400s. So really short, really short recovery. Mm -hmm. But then in between sets, I might give them four minutes, right? right? Four or five minutes, like bounce back, like... Come back to life, you know? Um, and the same thing, again, one of, actually, last week we did, uh, for one of our interval sets for our milers, we did um, a couple sets of going 450 meters at 
mile pace and then mm-hmm. a short 150 meter jog straight into a 200 meter like kick in which is mm-hmm. start at mile pace and work it down every 50 meters um and then like three four minutes between sets so nice. you're looking at a 150 meter jog maybe you know maybe 40 seconds um well running pretty pretty fast before and after but then that set allows you to recover just enough to come mm-hmm. back and do another one. Right. And you need to know, too, I always err on the side of caution the faster you run. Yep. So the faster pace, and then you always start to err on the side of caution within the last quarter of a workout. Because the whole design for me of every workout that I try to construct for every athlete is this hypothesis, this very educated guess based on the athlete I know in front of me what their training has been for however long they've been coached by me, we're there in real time, coupled with all the science and physiological principles and theories that exist out there. Because sometimes we get, you know, physiologists get in these these chatting matches where it's like, well, this theory states this, this principle says this, and this is the perfect model. And last I checked, reality is very messy and good enough works. And I always go with good enough because at the end of the day, we don't we're not privy to those those you know perfect conceptualized athletes that you always hear about in these studies that are done and now we have to <laughs> well, do it this way forever <laughs> well you know and that's one of my one of my favorite scientific quotes by uh i, I think it was uh, daniel dennett a philosopher said that mm-hmm. like you know when you're in the real world you create models and models are taking away the messiness and the complexity of it so that we're left with what is just almost right. But because it's just almost right, we can apply it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where we get here is it's really easy to go crazy over like, you know, ATP takes, you know, X minutes to, to recover. And, you know, the aerobic system needs this much time and the anaerobic system needs this much time. And we need our heart rate down to X you know, a heart rate beats per minute. And I think mm. all those things, eh, well, they can like serve some guidance. They're like guidance stones for us. Um, they can also, you know, lead us in the wrong direction of thinking that everyone kind of responds in the same way. And what right. we, yeah. we're, we're really looking at is what you said, that hypothesis, right? We're guess, we're making an educated guess of what this athlete can do for a workout. And when, and, we, we're trying to get them race ready. The yep. whole point of every workout, running workout, is readying them to race. Which, so, which is why that sometimes we go push to 100%. Sometimes we hold them at 90%. Sometimes we push them past failure. And you design mm-hmm. the workout to get them to struggle the last rep so that they can learn how to hang on. So it's like... As a coach, you're sitting there and adjusting the speed and the recovery and all these metrics and saying, okay, for this workout, like, what point do I want to push them to? Right. Yeah. And that's, I always remind the athlete when you call it, see God, I call it, get your hiney spanked red. Because would you rather have your butt spanked red in practice when no one's here and it's just you and me or you, me, and your teammates? Or would you rather that... Someone pull your pants down in a race and just smack the shit out of your butt. And then now you're embarrassed because you thought you were ready to go and you didn't. I'd rather it happen in practice, <laughs> personally. So then you can be the one giving a good spanking on race day, right? Instead of receiving it. So that's, you know, another critical 
um, uh, element to understand too, that failure in terms of not hitting the, the paces or not being able to complete the task as prescribed or as requested is okay too. And you have to be very clear with your athlete and saying, hey, this is what the design of the session is for. This is the point. If you do meet the ask or meet the demand of pace and for the distance I've given, wow, hats off to you. But if you don't, that's okay too as long as we walk away and you walk away with a critical learning experience that then you can apply come race day. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the – consequences of the modern like social media workout Wednesday ideal is that we forget about recovery sometimes to hit crazy impressive splits right right Mm -hmm. no everyone says like oh how fast were your mile repeats they don't say did you take three and a half minutes versus two and a half minutes right they say I closed my mile repeats in 430 I must be fit Mm. And I, I think as a coach, that's where it's really important for you to get that message across if you have athletes like that to say that, hey, you know, these these splits aren't going to be super impressive. But that's because I've manipulated the, the recovery or these other things to make it where it's going to be pretty dang difficult to run really fast. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. But you have to you have to, like, get that across to them, because a lot of times now we want that impressive workout on paper versus maybe the even better workout um but doesn't look as good because you can't run as fast yeah i mean you know even the workout of the day that we have at highperformancewest.com is meant to be a pulsation between highly talented and highly competent professionals who are clocks who know how to just bang 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 out these what looks on a piece of paper impressive bouts of work with very strict or very de- diligent and deliberate recoveries as well as the college kid the the athlete coming back from an injury you know and because you need to see a full spectrum to understand like that workouts don't indicate as much as we like to think you know you hear us all the time right go to race like oh well, they've been doing workouts at this pace and they're ready to go and they're ready to do this and they're ready i'm like whoa, 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 whoa. how do you know because if you knew for sure i would want to buy a lottery ticket the the same large ticket you're buying because you can predict the future and I can't so because <laughs> like, what what are the numbers for the next mega ball and I'm buying those numbers if you know for sure because even I don't like people so, ask me and I'm just like yeah I, I hope <laughs> so um, I'll have a blog up on this soon so you can check high performance west up hopefully it'll be out by the time we put this out um, I went through my old running lock and I went I was like you know what I got like 10 years of data from on this from the age of like 17, 16 to 26, 27. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know like when my most impressive workouts were. And I just like scanned the hard workouts that I kind of remembered and came to a two week period where in that same week I, I ran 50, 15 for 10 miles and then also closed some 200 meter repeats in 23.7, right? So both sides of the, and then had some really good sessions in between. Both sides of the coin were really good, did some really good stuff, ran a, I think a 413 mile in practice, pretty under controlled. Take a guess what, what my best 1500 was around that time. Mm, I don't know, 358. Not that slow. 
But no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that slow, man. 340. I, I, well, three, it's been a long time. It has. So during that time, now I'm that slow. Um, <laughs> so I ran 352, okay? Mm. Which, wow. which I think... Which is my PR, so thank you for rubbing it in. Okay. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but my PR is 343. So almost 10 <laughs> seconds off my PR, right? Almost... Sure. It was, uh, you know, eight seconds, seven seconds off of what I'd run the previous year. Um, and that was probably the best shape I ever was in my life, right? In terms of the workouts that showed things. But if you looked at what was surrounding it and what I was doing, you could tell that I was like on my way to Fried City. Well, mm. I, I couldn't at that point, but now you can obviously see it, right? And I think that's, that's the mistake we make a lot of times is that we get in this, this idealized world where it's like, Oh, what did you run your workouts in? Oh, that means you're ready to go. No, that doesn't mean you're ready to go. <laughs> what, what means you're ready to go is like, have you prepared specifically for the race? Not did I run the best workouts I ever have? Because you get lost in the nuance, right? Because right. it's the weeks, months, et cetera, to build to that place. That gets you ready and able to express that fitness, not a couple of like really impressive workouts that show that you're fit, but don't show any capability of expressing it in a race. Right. And, and ready to go too is not, it's focusing on the wrong thing, right? If you slammed a monster session and then a day later, two days later, 24, 40 hours, you're the athletes fully regenerate, bouncing off the walls like, oh, I'm ready. Oh, man, I feel great, coach. I can't believe it. Oh, I just woke up and, yeah, my easy runs, I got to consciously slow myself down. Then, yeah, that, that to me is a little bit more of a tell that they're ready to rock because the session that you thought was this monster session that they threw down the gauntlet in didn't take a whole lot of album, out of them. And that's constantly to the um, calculus I'm doing in my head. How much gas are we spending? How much gas is athlete spending during this session? How long is it going to take for that gas tank days out to get back to full, right? And this, like right now in real time, uh, early indoor track season is the most stressful time of year for me as a coach because we still got to do some heavy lifting. We still got to do some stout work. But now the athlete's starting to race, and now they want to see some fruits from their labor for the last four, five, six months of training all fall without any carrots to kind of give them an indicator. Well, you know, coach, I know I did time trial, or I did these sessions, and I couldn't do them before, and I'm doing this much more. So like we try to, you know, again, create this accounting mechanism of here's all the work globally I'm doing, and yet we're groping in the dark before come race day to be like, well, I think I'm fit. I think I'm ready to, you know, go racing. That to me is where you have to remember: never, never, never blow your race in practice, because you can blow that, you know, load, boom, all over practice, and it's a sloppy mess. Come race day, don't do it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. My college coach, who um, is now at University of Oregon, Andy Powell, is when he was his first year at Columbia. He his very kind way to remind us of that was he begged, hey Marcus, keep it in your pants, whip it out on race day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right, I got, I understand what you're saying because talking to a young, foolish college kid that I was, 
he was like, don't get too excited when it doesn't count. And remember, you can do the most impressive workout on the, of possible. It can be this awesome thing. You know, PRs, you can set, set a record, a school record in practice. But if the officiating's not there, the timing, the competition's not there, so what? So it, what? Exactly. So that was a uh, nice tangent there on, on things that matter. <laughs> yes. Well, hopefully, yeah, a, a giggle or two because it was fun to remember. <laughs> yeah. So, but that those are the things you remember, right? And uh, sometimes you got to communicate in certain ways to get across to a, bu- a bunch of college males. I know I have mm-hmm. to do stuff like that all the time. So, um, getting back to the recovery thing a little bit, um, one of the things that I think is also kind of interesting to explore is that. Recovery isn't just the time, right? It's mm-hmm. do I stand? Do yes. I do I jog? Do I keep it pretty steady? Sometimes do I keep it dang near like, you know, marathon pace for mm-hmm. some stuff? Mm-hmm. Like all those um things have have a different impact. And again, I think the way I handle this, I look at at it as what is the point, right? Am I needing to jog so that I keep things maybe more aerobic because I'm keeping the aerobic system revved up, not standing around, letting that ATP, CP um, replenish, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm keeping it pretty steady so that every rep is a little bit more aerobic when I start. Or do I want, you know, the anaerobic side to recover so I can kind of nail it, get a little more speed and juice out of it and um, a little more recovery so they can nail the speed. And then the other thing I look at is sometimes I look at the recovery is, hey, this is the important part, right? Mm-hmm. So when I train people for the 10K or half marathon or even marathon, a lot of times what we'll do is, you know, things like 800 on and off where the 800 on might be at 10K pace, let's say, let's say 445 pace for a, uh, <laughs> you know, a college kid trying to run in the, in the 29 mids. Um, and then the 800 off might be go from, you know, 222 for the on. So that would make the off maybe like 250, right? So they're mm, still mm-hmm. running 540, 550 pace somewhere in that range. And they alternate that for a couple miles and it becomes really hard. Yeah. And it becomes really hard because you're allowing insufficient recovery, right? And you Mm -hmm. have to stay focused instead of like turning the brain off and saying like, okay, I got a couple minutes to recover before I hit the next one. And you realize for that 10K guy, like 10K pace isn't that hard for an 800. But Mm -hmm. when you change the recovery like that, it makes it a pretty damn demanding uh, session. Yeah. And that's, you know, those um, manipulations the idea is you have to, before the workout begins, so even as you're programming training, writing training, think about the state that you want to deliver that athlete to in the last quarter, last fifth, you know, last even last rep of the session, right? Because that's really where all the gold is. You have to get the athlete to a point that's just a little outside their comfort zone, tax beyond their current capacity, and then subject them to that stimulator stress. So that they can then signal the body and say, uh-oh, time to grow, time to expand, time to adapt, time to change, time to get better. <laughs> you know, one of my, one of my good uh, coaching friends used to tell me is like, the marathon sucks to train for because you do these big, long, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 mile like marathon pace workouts and is like, 
the first 85, 90% of them don't really matter except to get you <laughs> tired enough where you're like pressing the fuel as, as far as you can go the last couple, you know, last two or three miles. So you do all this work to get tired enough so that you can maybe, you know, nail the, nail the last two, three miles, which is yeah, and, crazy and sometimes, to think about. Yeah, but that, it's true. I, yep. I mean, I was telling an athlete yesterday, you know, I, you know, she was doing repeat quarters and such, or um, you know, she did like a, a little, you know, haphazard breakdown, two times 12, three times six, four times four, four times two. And she was on the last quarter. And I was like, this quarter is the workout. The whole point of everything you've ran before is to get to this quarter and to run sub 60 right now. That's the point. Give it all you got because this signal is enough through all the noise of everything else to, you know, that was my bet and my gambit, my hypothesis as coach to cause the adaptation and change in your biochemistry, physiology, neuromuscular, you know, coordination, you know, force impact in the ground, blah, 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 all the physio physiological goodness. That one quarter was enough. Where it landed in the workout, you know, that's the caveat, right? So I think sometimes we think they have to be these mega, 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 mega sessions, you know, with, we got, you know, like once a runner, we got to do 60 times a quarter to like, you know, get you ready and get you, um, you know, uh, to squeeze all the weakness out of you, to beat the weakness out of you. No, 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 no. If you just do a small but very potent exposure consistently, drip by drip, week by week, month by month, over time, the body will get the joke. Because what you risk by doing these mega sessions after mega sessions is actually loading issues, you know, which can then lead to overuse injury issues that then can put the athlete on the shelf. And how many times have we heard about whispers of someone super fit or they run some invite and they just throw down a nasty mark and then they don't make the conference meet. They yeah. don't make the national meet because they just kept getting greedy and they thought it was, you know, oh man, it's, you know, it's like the fat kid at the buffet. Well, eventually you're going to get full and your body's not going to be able to process all the food and you got to vomit it all up. That's the same thing with training. So, you know, and even getting back to recovery, that is the thing I'm constantly monitoring, monitoring. And sometimes, and most times, if I've guessed wrong, which I'm human and, you know, privy to do most of the time, I actually start extending the recovery, letting the systems, you know, reset a little bit or throw in like the lactate flushes that I, you know, like to do with an athlete, especially if it's a high acidosis, high anaerobic threshold type session, calm things down, clear out the toxins, like get you a little bit closer to homeostasis or neutral or energize. If it's the more important thing that day is hitting the pace so that your body can interpret what those speeds feel like to be able to execute and call upon during race day. Right. So, it, that's too. I mean, very rarely have I ever in the last 10 years or I mean, five years um, stuck, you know, 100% to the workout I wrote on paper. It's always changing. And what's usually changing is in that delicate space in the last quarter of the workout is some type of extension of the rest and or um, shortening of the rep. So I actually did this just the other day, you know, with the 800 meter male coach, the goal of the session was to run 
a cut down sprint session, 250, 225, 200, two by 150, two by 100. You know, he's looking good, clicking off, full rest in between. He gets to the 50, first 150, nails it, nails it. Good. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. that was awesome. How are you feeling? He goes, well, you know, and I was like, eh, just run 120 on this instead of 150. And then he does that. You know, he's kind of starting to run out of gas. I go, well, how are you doing? And he goes, oh, well, you know, he, he hems and haws. I go, well, here's the goal of the session is to have you fight to get out good and fast the first 50, which I know you can do, but then mitigate the desolative properties that you're going to be exposed to and only have to deal with them in the last 20 meters or 25 meters rather than having to struggle through quicksand, grit your teeth and bear your way down the home stretch in the last 50 to 70 meters, which sometimes often happens in 100 meter sprint workouts towards the end. Yeah. And because, you know, he gave me the feedback, we adjusted a lot of things so that he could complete the, the session to success to get the stimulus, but he didn't run what I had on paper, especially in the last half for the duration or for the rest that I had planned, but he ran the speed. And that was what was important that day was the speed. So I think that's a good point is that the athletes will generally tell you what they need. (laughs) (laughs) Like you watch, you watch, you watch an athlete, even if you're just watching them, you start seeing them break down and you start thinking in your head like, Oh, you know, he might not make it. And if I want him to make it, then I'm going to manipulate this stuff. And sometimes mm-hmm. that that's asking him how he's feeling and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes it's <laughs> it's also just talking to him to keep the recovery longer without him like realizing it. Right. Sometimes I'll just sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit so that yeah. we, get, we get an extra minute of recovery without you like freaking out that I'm getting recovered. Um, mm-hmm. especially with college kids who tend to see things on paper and t- tend to see things as like, if this is, uh, if, if this is, you know, what's written, then it's God's word. And if we don't do it, <laughs> we failed. So like you manipulate things like that. And the same thing with, with recovery, sometimes you can extend workouts or, get people back to where you need them by manipulating the recovery. You know, one of the things I love to do is like send people for some easy hundreds or one fifties with like a hundred or even a 50 meter jog where I'll just tell them, Hey, like go run this hundred and like 18, 19 seconds. Right. And just go four by hundred, 18, 19, you know, 30 seconds rest. Uh, we're just going to get a little bit of work in, that's really slow for a male. And what happens is you clear some of that stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. You get them a little bit more recovered so that they can come back to the session and then kill something, right? So I do that a lot, especially with my middle distance runners, where I know that, hey, I want to really nail another 400 meter rep per- perhaps, but I see them start to go the wrong direction. Then I'll say, hey, 400s with like a turnaround jog rest, which generally means about 20, 30 seconds. Want them really chill, clear stuff out. They don't think they're sitting there doing nothing, right? And they're not. So you you get this long recovery period that also accelerates stuff. And then you come mm-hmm. back, you nail a 400 and all of a sudden it's uh, super fast, right? And they're able to hang on um, until the end where maybe before they would have started to fall apart at 250, which is too far out for them to fall apart. Uh, so, so you start looking at things like that where it's like the recovery is in your hands as a coach. 
it's that artistry of of what am I trying to accomplish and do I need to change this shift things around in the middle of the workout to um, to make sure that they're accomplishing what my goal is. Yeah, and I mean, most the times, the recovery or lack thereof within, you know, rep to rep or set to set in workout is the make or break component of the workout. Now, you may have listened to this and be like, oh, dear goodness, I have no idea what to do. I'm, you know, a new coach or I've been doing this for, you know, a handful of years. How do I get this understanding? And it's just experience. It's just knowing what you're looking for. I was in the same boat. So I, I picked my rule. I picked my anchor, right? My anchor was the work to rest ratio, one to one at 5k stuff. And then, you know, going off in either direction, appropriating either multiplying or dividing. That was my anchor. And that got me in the ballpark. And then as I watched more types of sessions, I watched athletes Ooh, they really tied up there. Oh, that is not what we wanted here. Or man, that was way too easy. Their affect is real high. They're like, yeah, coach, I didn't even, I didn't sweat that. You know, then you start to have to make the notes, right? And Steve and I, a running sub theme of, you know, our coaching practice and what we share and even on, you know, the on coaching podcast is reflection. So, when I was young, I mean, this is why we have workouts of the day. Someone asked me, oh, how long can you do workout day? I go, I, I don't know, 1,500 days at least. Like, <laughs> I mean, I wrote every workout down for 10 plus years, every single one. And that's not even including my own when I was training, right? I have 10, 12 years of logs of that. But because I took the time, the five minutes, the 10 minutes to reflect very briefly, but it was just like getting out the door for your shakeout jog or your training run every day, because I was as committed to that daily run component, um, you know, as it was the reflection component, I started to learn and the learning accelerated, not in the first year or two, but by year three, four, you go, you write it down and then you go back, right? You write it down and go back. And when you write it down, go back. And my thing was, I went back once a week and reflected. And that really helped me say, Oh, I made this mistake again as a coach (laughs) or this athlete did this again. I wonder why. Then you can start to self-educate and put the pieces together. So, Exactly. It's just education. It's watching. And it's also why it's really important to pay attention at practice. Like it's, It sounds like a no-duh for a coach. Um, but you have to pay attention because athletes give you the feedback. And you watch when they start to fall apart, right? A lot of times yeah. I'll, I'll make notes of like, uh, you know, Johnny fell apart <laughs> with 300 to go in the last 400 rep. Like, obviously... You know, if that wasn't the point, I messed things up a little bit in my projections, right? Or I didn't manipulate things exactly Mm -hmm. right. So, like, yeah, turn the phone off at practice. (laughs) I know you have recruits, and you know what? If you're a college coach, even a high school coach, or even like me, post collegiate coach, there's recruits, there's people calling, there's people checking in, they need something. There are always people needing something before the advent of cell phones for coaching for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It worked out. It was just fine. But be at practice. I was actually driving past a practice. I don't know whose it was, but it was obviously a track team of sorts here in the Portland metro area. And the athletes were doing their warm-up drills. And the coach's back was to the athletes doing the warm-up drills looking at their cell phone. I would. It took like the life of me not to like park the car, run out, and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like they're telling you everything you need to know before this workout and your back is to them looking at your cell phone for some reason. It could have been an emergency. I don't know. I'm not trying to harp on whoever the coach and the team was, but just turn it off. 
well, that's well, the best way to not to you know um, to, to, to keep yourself from that fallacy to keep yourself from that vice just turn the phone off at practice we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say it was i will i will but still yeah. i just was like it it's easy i i fall susceptible to oh, it too i sure. actually have to turn it off myself i'm like oh you know what steve's texting me again about something no steve you can wait so what what i do a lot of times is put things on put it on airplane mode um because sometimes i'll want to like take some high speed video because i'm like a video nerd oh, yeah, um true so I'll, I'll just flip my phone on airplane mode before because that'll take me away from like being able to text or do the social media, Twitter scroll and stuff like that. Um, which again, just keeps my focus on things because like that's how you learn. Like you learn these tendencies and I, I can sit there with my college athletes and say, you know, uh, this athlete recovers faster than this one. And this one uh, recovers better at this type of workout. And this one, when they do some like highly quote unquote anaerobic stuff, they're going to feel like their stomach's turning and they're about to throw up after, you know, three reps, regardless of distance almost. So mm-hmm. y- you learn the key tells of athletes, right? Yeah. And you can know when they're grossly out of character, like, man, they just look off today. Or if a type of session that they've struggled with for many years or, you know, weeks, all of a sudden they have competency and mastery over, you can go, wow, you're doing this really well. This yeah. is amazing. You know, and that little personal connection, because you've been methodically consistently watching with, you know, a keen eye for weeks and weeks and months and years on hand. That goes a long way to the athlete-coach relationship. And I always tell you know, young coaches, like, oh, coach, how do I learn? You know, I'm so excited. What clinics, what books, what, what's the best way to, like, go learn? Should I, you know, talk to, you know, so, you know, I'm like, go to practice. Go to practice. Go to practice. Go to practice. And, you the know, the best that, way to learn is going to practice. The other thing I'd add to that is also go watch other good coaches coach. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, yeah. I, I grew up sitting at the track and watching – you know, Tom Tellez coach people. <laughs> um, and, right. and, or it's like how I just went up and hung out with the beast, you know, last Friday with Danny. I was just like, Danny, I'm just going to be here and do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. But I learned a lot, you know, watching and, him coach. And you do. And like, I've done the same with Danny. I think I've watched uh, three beast workouts before now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you learn how different people coach. And I think that's important, you know, and it's, it's funny. I've at the university now we've had, a couple Australian rugby and uh, Aussie rules football teams coaches come over and I'm like, why are you watching us? Why are you watching us work out a bunch of skinny distance runners? And one of them turned to me and said, like coaching is coaching. We want to, we think you guys are doing something pretty interesting and cool. So I just want to watch you coach. Like, I don't care if I know the details of stuff. And I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. and that pushes me to sit there and I'm be like, you know what? I should watch other coaches of yep. other random sports coach because get outside your silo. Yes, yep. the Aussies proved again they're the smartest people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Go Australia! Uh, ho- yes. Hopefully, we got some uh, Aussie listeners. Uh, probably thanks to our uh, Adam Didick uh, coaching with Kraft um, Australian guru. Um, down there pushing some viewers our way, hopefully. Yes, and he's <laughs> the best video out of all of them. Again, proving Aussies are the smartest. <laughs> Good stuff, Adam. Um, so, yeah, it's it's getting on that. And I, I think, you know, to tie things together, since we've gone through a bunch of recovery things and gone through what we need, I think that's a lesson on all of this stuff is like 
John, we both have different starting points, different anchor points for how we discover or how we decide recovery. But then we have the same kind of adjustment strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Where it becomes, here's our expectations, right? And that might shape our anchor. But are the athletes telling me what I expect them to tell me? Mm. Are the athletes going to be able what I need them to be able to do in order to get the, you know, the adaptation I'm, I want out of them? And if not, we shift things around, right? And it's not, it's not a computer program where it's like, all right, for mile reps, I need this amount of recovery when they're this fast. And if the athletes are falling apart and dying and failing unproductively, Right. I'm not going to adjust the recovery because this is what we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. It's a race day relatability. Always, 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 always. An athlete does not, it's not going to move an athlete emotionally for you to tell them what physiological stimulus or energy systems is or substrate of fuel is the primary go to for that day's session. They don't care. It doesn't help them run faster. What I have found and has worked well for me is to look through the lens of, okay, how does this relate to their readiness on rate day, race day? And then how can I tell them by doing this next rep, by doing this block of work like such at this pace with this amount of recovery, this is how it, the design of it is to impact your ability to do this come target race day, come race day in two, three weeks, whatever it may be, come this big invite so that then they're focused on nailing it because I have encouraged them and I've told them exactly why we're doing it to raise their competency on race day. And that's the lens I think we should always be looking through at workout days, especially when it comes to the variance of recovery, is how does it relate to readying them to better compete when it counts, not in practice, as on Arvison says, not talking about practice, talking about race day. Exactly. Race day is all that really matters, right? No practice champs. So I guess we'll, we'll end with that thought. We appreciate you guys listening as always are. I'm always, uh, impressed by our followers and all you guys listen uh, listening and reaching out to both john and i and sending us some really good questions and I'm amazing questions yes I'm like, try, try I, and... I couldn't ask those questions when i was like i got no. college kids high school kids asking me questions like i didn't even start thinking of that until age 30 and you're yeah. how old 22 brilliant I know. so pretty soon you're going to be replacing us but that's yes. okay just, <laughs> just remember us um as you climb the coaching ladder maybe we can you know, hand out some water bottles and stuff like it's, that. That's that's true. That's <laughs> so. true. And two, thank you everyone for all the generous and kind feedback at uh, highperformancequest.com. It's been fun. You know, Steve and I are continuing to build it. We're bringing in um, some contributors and some people we're real excited about. We'll probably announce those here hopefully eh, within the next month or so. I mean, hard part is we're trying to build something, but yet do our primary job, which is build athletes and coach concurrently. That's so, right. We are what, not not keyboard coaches, man. Yes, we, are, we uh, have skin in the game. You know, I got right. our, we got our first track meets these week this weekend. Steve down in Houston, me up in Seattle with the athletes. So, you know, they're always first, right? Athletes come first. That's always been, always will be my philosophy. Um, so, thanks for your patience as we try to roll out new, you know, 
things on hpw.com. But every day, you can count on it, just like the big ball of flames to be in the sky called the sun. You'll have a blog post at least and a workout of the day. And then sometimes like an awesome little like, you know, treat or nugget that just Steve decided to throw out there or I did. So yep. but keep so, coming. It's it's awesome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For and everyone and, and keep, keep telling us what helps you. Right. Yes, that, that, it helps us. Yeah, that's what that's what this is about. This this episode actually came from a suggestion from coach out there. So thank you very much. Yeah. But, yeah. but we, we we want to know what helps you guys so that we can tailor um, our content to making sure that we're making the best impact, just like we would tailor our workouts to make sure we're making the best impact. Woo. Love it. All right. Thanks again Love. for listening, guys. Appreciate it.